Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. Good afternoon, everybody. This is a special episode of the Feed to Embiid, the first time we've done one since the magnetic rims ruined the season for the Sixers in Toronto. I have a special guest with me today, one of my mentors, uh, one of my, I guess you could say, one of my bosses, um, Jason Blevins of the Painted Lines, formerly PFO, now Painted Lines joins me. Jason, thanks for coming on. Quadruple doink. Uh, thank you very much, Austin. It's uh, is this my first time on this podcast? It is your first time on the podcast. Wow. Well, it's, dang. It's, thank you it, for it, finally getting me on. I think. Well, you, you know, it's it's. I, I reserve it only for special people. You know. Oh yeah, that, that explains why it took until the off season to get me on. <laughs> well, you're a busy man. You're a very busy man. <laughs> um. So we have a lot of questions about this team headed into the summer obviously with uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and and JJ Redick even too um I guess I want to start with I I would assume that um their priority above all else remains to bring back Jimmy Butler but before we even get to the free agency period which begins on June 30th at six o'clock and at night um the NBA draft comes first. So with that in mind, who do you think is their first, second, and third primary targets, I guess? I would would assume it would be Cameron Johnson, and if not him, then there's another wing out there, maybe Tyler Harrow um, or Windler from from Belmont. Uh, what, what, What have you heard? What do you think? You know, it's tough because in most situations, I would think that they'd be looking for, um, at this stage, they'd probably look to package uh, these picks for a a veteran. Um, However, the way that the salary cap and the the sheer number of, of free agents that they've got right now, I don't really think they can do that. So... You know, they're probably going to look for someone like uh, Cameron Johnson, someone like uh, that could potentially be developed in a Landry Shamit type role. Yeah. Um, but then when you look at 
what their pipeline is from um, from the guys they got last year, you're looking at their two way guys are both wings. So do you go for do you go for a development big, someone that may be able to um, be a project as a as a rim protector? Um, you know, I I'm not. We are in the process right now of of going through uh, our detailed draft evaluations. Right. And uh, I I could not tell you with any confidence that I know what they'll be doing in the in the twenties uh, right now. So, well, you mentioned backup center project, and that's an interesting point because that's obviously one of their primary needs, alongside of getting a, a I guess a, a more capable perimeter threat and a backup point guard. Because I, I think TJ McConnell is going to get. Um, more money than they can afford to give him elsewhere, and uh, I, I would I would think that their biggest needs are first and foremost a, a three and D wing with who's at, who can who has the length and athleticism to switch, followed by a backup center, and then if all else fails, a backup point guard. And, and for me, that would look like Cameron Johnson, then uh, Jonte Porter. And then um, uh, the point guard out of UVA, I forget his name exactly. Uh, Ty Jerome, Ty Jerome. Um, that 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 that's what I would think that they would go. But obviously, those picks are all supposed to; those players are projected to go all all you know all around them in their in those slots, whether it be twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, yeah. what have you. So I think that there are are there are a wealth of, of prospects out there that could really help them. Yeah. The, um, the thing that I want people to keep in mind is that where they're, where they are in their, in their curve um, right now is they're not going to be drafting for people that can help this roster this year. So they're not going to be drafting for uh, need. They drafted. So you talk about those three and D prospects. They drafted those guys last year and the year before. It's obviously an area of need, but you know they don't expect those guys to come in. So you're offsetting the uh, contribution by at least a year. So when you look at a guy like Shake Milton, right? They drafted him last year to kind of fill that combo one two, big enough to play three, needs to develop some explosion, you know. Those guys are guys that they're they're either stashing or they are developing for a year, and they're hoping come through to fill a need, um, but not immediately. So, if you say, "What are they going to need this time next year?" That's the guy. If I was their department, I'd say, "This time next year, let's look at who we think we're going to bring back, who we think we can get in the market, and what are we going to wish we had." in our pipeline heading into 2020 training camp, right? Yeah. Who do we think we can fill that bench? Because let's face it, in the late 20s, we're no longer in the mode of we're drafting a guy number 10 like last year. Right? Yeah. We're, yeah. Or number three or, you know, we're, we're number one. We're no longer in that mode. So when you think about these later guys, you, you're, you're once in a while you're going to hit on a Landry Shamit who – in you know, in three months, becomes a a sort of centerpiece to a trade to acquire a um, a star in Tobias Harris, but you, that's just not a bankable 
um, yeah. strategy. So really, what you, I, what I think they should be doing is thinking 2020 training camp. What's the guy that we we want to have under uh, a year under his belt of development, becoming a professional? So yeah, I think you're. I think you're right though. I think you want to look at. Do you have a point guard in the uh, in the in the um, development cycle, right? So if, right. if you consider Shake Milton a point guard, then you maybe say yes. He's probably a two guard. Um, if you take him out of the equation, you really don't have anything that's in your um, in your in your uh, program at all that could be counted on to be a, a backup or play significant minutes in a playoff series. Um, you just don't have that in your program as right. a young guy. Um, so I like I like point guard. I'm biased. Everyone knows this. I'm biased towards point guards and centers. I believe you can get six eight guys, six seven, six six guys. There are hundreds of them available um, that can do various things. So you know I'm always biased towards ones and fives. But in this case, I really do think that's where you have to look. Right. It's interesting. Do you do you think that they believe in what Shake can provide to the team? Well, Shake's got, and and he will admit this. I'm not I'm not uh, spilling any secrets or slandering him. He's got to uh, develop his athletic uh, athleticism, his strength, and his explosion. Um, but his physical profile when it comes to length and and size is like ideal for a right. guard. And he does have good um, control. So he plays a very controlled style. He can change pace. Uh, he just doesn't have that explosive first step. Uh, but he's a great shooter. He can definitely score the ball. And, um, and he can run a pick and roll. You know, he can do all the things that you want a pick and roll point guard to do as far as you can't go under on, on a screen right? Uh, with him. Uh, he just needs to get faster. He needs to get stronger. And um, that, is, that is what you'll know by September. You, you may not know that right now. Right. It's interesting, uh, before we move forward with the free agent market, um, it's interesting that you brought up at the beginning of the conversation the idea that they could package those picks for a veteran. That's something that I hadn't pondered before. Um, do, do you think that, do, do you have anybody in mind or do you think they have anybody in mind that they think that they could, that they could get, bring back value for those late first round picks? Because I kind of feel like if the value you're bringing back is like Wilson Chandler or a player like that, then I think you're going to get more value out of drafting a younger guy and developing him. Yeah. And, and also you're not consuming cap space. Right. Um, while you're heading into a free agency cycle. So I, I don't think that's a likely scenario. I could see them trading out. I could see them trading 24 for a second and a future first in 2021. Maybe I could see that type of scenario to get out of the, of the first round entirely and to free up some of that cap space. Cause you know, that's what 1.2 million or something Guaranteed, like that. Yep, yep. Yeah. But it's it is a, a little bit of chunk. So if you're trying to free up as much as possible to stay out of the luxury tax, stay out of the repeater tax, then maybe you want to push that push that salary um, a year or two down the line, and then give yourself an opportunity. Maybe that that 2021 pick is in the you know 15 to 18 range. So now you've 
now you've done a little processing. Um, so I could see that scenario. I think they've got four second round picks. I think they probably want those guys. Um, they want to take a bunch of uh, shots at non-guaranteed project uh, uh, prospects and contracts, get them in, get them in the gym, get them in the program, see who develops. Um, I could see. So I don't think they're going to package those, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them trade out in the first round. Okay. And, that, and you know, you make a good point there about, you know, just get them in the program and see who develops. That's sort of following the Pascal Siakam route where you're, you don't really know too much about a guy. You're going to take, you're going to, you have him in for a workout. You're going to take a, a shot on him and see if it develops. And that's how you make, that's how you create and establish um, high quality role players in this league. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of finished products that are safe contributors. You're um, that late in the first. You know, your your Josh Hart's are not. They don't grow on trees. You have to kind of get lucky. For every Josh Hart, there's a DeAndre Bembry. Uh, right. So, or there's probably five or six of them. Yeah. So late in the first, you know, I I say as much as we make fun of the uh, Andres Pasechnik's pick, yeah, um, you know, those are the kind of gambles you take late in the first. Um, for me, those are the kind of gambles you take. Take a guy with a physical profile that maybe can learn how to play basketball, versus a Bembry type. I forget where he went in the draft, but it was probably like eighteen or so. A Bembry type who is a you know a twenty one year old limited upside remaining really knows how to play basketball but if he can't make it physically what what do you have yeah. you know that's that's uh you know shake milton would have been in that situation last year he'd been in the uh this is the shake milton podcast uh, yeah <laughs> but he would have been he would have been in you know your your 20s uh early 20s had he not suffered that injury right so that's the kind of guy like you still don't know is he an NBA contributor? Is he an upsidey um, guy that that may develop into something? Um, th- those are the kind of guys you're taking in your twenties, and at this point in the team's um, curve, you know, is is that worth consuming that that uh, roster spot, guaranteed roster spot, and guaranteed contract? I don't know. Right. So then. Going forward, then after the draft, you have a lot of work to do as the free agency markets open up, and obviously we have uh, two guys that we're as as a city worried about in in um, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Now Jimmy Butler is obviously an enigma as a player, as as a guy, I should say. He's you know he, no one really knows what he's up to. Um, where do you think that situation stands? Yeah, I don't know what Jimmy thinks. Um, you know, being around him for three or four months, it's clear that he thinks a lot, and yeah. uh, he he knows a lot more than he'll let on. Um, I think I think I wrote uh, last week or so that he likes having us believe he's this out of control hothead. When yeah. in reality, I think he's a lot more cerebral and calculating than. Than uh, most of us think, um, he 
I don't know. I would say that on a, uh, from a basketball standpoint, for the for the next five years, I can't see a better situation. Yep. Than this for him, he gets to uh, play with the ball in his hands in playoff um, matchups where Ben isn't a great uh, fit in half court offense. Uh, he gets to take on that lead role, but in the uh, regular season, he can he can. Uh, you know, play a very versatile fill-in as needed uh, as an elite role player. So, you know, it's a great situation for him at this stage in his career. Um, but, you know, he talked about his family and his entourage and and uh, the people around him having a say. And uh, if you... Um, if you work for someone and they're willing to relocate, then why wouldn't you say, well, let's go live in Miami or let's go live in Los Angeles. Right. So, uh, or even New York. Right. Yeah. So, so it's hard to say, uh, it really is, uh, hard to predict. Um, is he willing to give up $40 million to go satisfy his, his, uh, his team around him? I don't know. Well, also, it could be it could be like people around him could be saying, "Yo, that's you know that if, if they could operate with the mentality of that's forty million more that he can allocate to us in some way." So, do you really want to forego that just to go live in L.A.? Like, like, like you know, th- th- this is this is in large part their livelihoods too as his entourage. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, when you look at L.A., it's becoming a joke. He, well, the Lakers are, are a mess, a, a, an absolute mess. Uh, so he that may not dissuade someone with his penchant for chaos. Um, but the uh, the Clippers, I think they were on record as saying they they don't really like Want him, yeah, Jimmy Butler. So so the Clippers would make a lot more sense for me from a basketball standpoint for him than the Lakers would. But if they're not interested, now you're reducing the number of suitors that uh, that that really would uh, that be looking for him. Yeah, uh, you know Brooklyn. I don't think is a great fit. On I think board. it's a terrible fit for him, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think Brooklyn's a great fit for Kevin Durant personally. But yes, but for Jimmy Butler, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That that would be a place for him. Um, so you've got now the Knicks, the Knicks, him and Kyrie at the Knicks. Like, why would that interest Jimmy Butler? I'm not seeing that. Um, where where else are we looking at? You know, with plenty of cap space and with a situation that would be better than Philadelphia. So yeah. when you really start evaluating it, if the if the Clippers don't want him. I don't know where that situation would be. Right. And I think I think if you evaluate it from a who is Jimmy Butler standpoint as a, as a guy as a, as a history, obviously he's been he's been given a a, a raw deal in terms of reputation around the league, but he 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 doesn't like the bullshit that 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 that's with the Knicks right now. That's with the Lakers right now. And I, I can't imagine that a guy who, who wants to be around guys who want to p- know how to play and know how to win. I can't imagine that a situation like the Lakers where it's where, where you have a GM lying blatantly um, to players, and you know, you, and you and you have an owner like Dolan in, in in New York and young young guys on both rosters. I can't see how that follows the pattern of of what we've seen from Jimmy Butler. 
And I got to think that the, in my mind, the best situation for him is either the Clippers, if they can get their hands on Kawhi or the Sixers, because I, I, I just don't see a, first of all, I don't think that the Pelicans are trading the Anthony Davis to the, to the Lakers. I think that they have no interest in doing that. Um, I, I, I could see him. I, I have my, my money on him going to the, being on the Knicks roster opening night, just because I think that they have the, the draft assets to acquire him, the allure of to the, the allure to the Pelicans of, of putting RJ Barrett together with, um, with, with Zion. And I, I think that, 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 while it's possible, does Jimmy Butler really want to be the third stringer to Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant if they're there? So I think it. I think it comes down to, in my opinion, the Clippers. Even if they said they're not interested, I, I think that they got to be interested because he's a star level player. And the Sixers. That, that, that that's where I, that's where I see it. And you know, it all comes a matter of is he really about just winning and 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 the, and the relationships he has, or is it about his people, or does the money really matter? If the money matters to him, then he's not leaving Philadelphia. $40 million is a lot of money. Yeah, I guess I don't understand why the Knicks would ever be a more attractive location than the Nets. Like, I get that it's if, – if it's 1995, I understand. But in 2019, from living conditions, from the neighborhood that you'd be in, uh, if you wanted to have a short commute to – to work what is it about the Knicks that would be more attractive than the Nets well it's 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 the um you know I I think it's the 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 Nick the Nick reputation it's the Madison Square Garden it's the it's the history obviously from a franchise and clubhouse perspective they're in a bit of shambles right now and they don't have the pieces around those what if, if if they did have Kemba or Kyrie and or uh or or uh, Davis and Durant and, and Jimmy Butler. If you had any combination of those three guys, who else would you have outside of that? Because you'd have to give up capital to get Davis to get to to New York anyway. So I, I don't know from a basketball standpoint how great it would be, but I think it's the it's the idea of playing at the Garden and being on that national stage in that big market that appeals to guys. But again, if you don't want to win, then you go there. But I mean, I'll be shocked uh, unless both of those guys wind up in Madison Square Garden. I'll be shocked if the Nets don't play more national oh, yeah. games. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're acting like Brooklyn is like this. No, they're not. Market. They're not. I mean, they take a they, they take a back seat because of it's the Knicks versus the Nets. Yeah, but why? Why that, is that? that that's just that's just the perception. Yeah, but that was the perception between the Lakers and the Clippers until, you know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin came, and then the the Clippers became the cool franchise. The Lakers will still. I mean, to me, it's the Lakers Clippers thing. The Lakers will tell you there's a mystique, but like, why? Why is there a Lakers? Mystique? That's a fair point. It's a it's they're a fair a, point. They're just a sad, sad, dysfunctional family owned operation that happens to be close to movie studios and a beach but the knicks don't even have that you know all of the movie studios and tv studios are in brooklyn they're not even in manhattan 
So, you know, unless the guy wants to go Fox News, that's in walking, the walking right. distance. It's interesting. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Patrick Ewing isn't walking through that door anytime soon in Madison right. Square Garden. Like, James Dolan is a clown. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't. No, understand. it's it's a perfectly valid point. Um, let's let's move off of Jimmy Butler and, and and talk about Tobias Harris a little bit. Obviously, he had a bit of an underwhelming uh, tenure as a Sixer in those last uh, ten games, I guess. As or uh, really, it was twenty games that he was on that he was on the team. Um, now he's going to command, obviously, max money. Although I don't think he's worth the, the full max. Um, the rumors have been that the Nets are involved and the Jazz are involved, Sixers are involved. Do you think that the Sixers should put a price tag on his value? No, I don't. I think that um, the thing with Tobias is you can plug him into virtually any team in the league and he's going to help them. So where Jimmy is probably a better player on balance, he um, he's more of a specific um, fit. Tobias can just fit on pretty much any team so there's a reason that he's been traded so many times and it's not because he's a bad guy or a bad player it's because every team can see very clearly how they could use and be helped by Tobias Harris so you basically sign him for whatever whatever it takes yeah right? you, you pay him whatever whatever the market bears and you know that that'll be a contract that you can always move. His age is right. He's versatile. He's a three. He's a four. He can he can initiate in the pick and roll. You know the only real knock on Defense. him is that he's not a, fa- a fantastic right. defender, right? So, so he's just one of these guys that you know you may say he's he's overpaid, but I mean if you look at the the some of the money that people are being paid in the league. You know, he there's no scenario where he will be considered like a horrible. Contract. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, do you think that he wants to move again and go away from Philly, or do you think he wants to just plant and stay put and 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 you know build a future there? I think he wants to feel wanted. that he wants to feel wanted, and he wants to feel that for the first time in his career, he gets to choose. You know, he hasn't gotten to choose where he played since uh, he entered college. So he's been bounced around, traded so many times. He is going to, I think he's going to take the process really seriously and look at his, his range of options and feel like he's making the decision and the decision is not being made for him. I think that's really important. Ultimately, he'll probably find that the best situation for him is you know, in Philadelphia or in uh, right. New York. Now, we've, we've discussed the two primary uh, targets in free agency. Um, I tend to think that they don't really have much of a chance with Kawhi or, or Kevin Durant. What, what do you think about that? I've just heard nothing to indicate that, which means the agents don't seem to think so, which means, you know, there's just no leaks to that. Um to that regard. So I would have to say that it's highly Which is interesting because even even though the Sixers have 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 risen into a contender, we all thought that they would be 
you know, they, they'd be they'd be attracting these 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 elite players. The reality might just be that while Philadelphia is a, a, is a nice place and it's a good franchise, the fact is that it's not New York, it's not LA, and that's where and that's where that's something that they just can't help, and they're always going to be second tier to those other franchises, no matter what. I don't think it's a city thing. I I don't think it's a city thing. It I, it could be. You know, when you read that ESPN article, you look at you get a window into the machinations of agents, and uh, they are manipulators by trade. That's their yeah. job, right? Is to manipulate markets and to squeeze as much value out of the market as possible. Um, part of that, a big part of that is endorsements. So I think that, I think you're right in that respect, LA and, uh, Silicon Valley, right. Uh, where Golden State right. plays, uh, I won't tell you which city, but, um, the, uh, the Silicon Valley has a lot of value for players off outside of their NBA Yeah. Because contract. of the, 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 uh, the opportunities for business out there. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, LA obviously has the endorsements, the all of that stuff, and New York has a similar large market. Uh, you're going to sell a ton of uh, jerseys and, and things like that. So you've got those three. Um, but you know, Chicago did really, really well for 30 years, um, and they're, you know, they're they're in the same sort of tier as Philadelphia. Uh, I don't think that when Chicago had marquee players, they were an attractive destination. I think Philadelphia has got marquee players. I I don't exactly know why they're not in the conversation for Kawhi or KD. You think it has something to do with coaching? I don't know how much coaching matters to KD. Kawhi obviously would be comfortable with the coach right right that's system. fair um that's fair you're just never going to hear what Kawhi is actually thinking. yeah no no one has that idea that's, what's going on his head nobody knows um with kd i mean you think about he's from 100 DC. miles from philadelphia yeah. um now the wizards are clearly not an option i don't think he'd want to go there but um yeah i don't i don't know what the uh, what the deal with KD is? I right, think he wants to go somewhere where he is unquestionably the man. Yes, maybe. Yes, and that would not be Philadelphia. Right. Um, so then, let's turn our attention to to one of the more unsung heroes uh, of the last two years, JJ Redick. He's been on uh, a, a pair of one year deals with the Sixers. I tend to think that he wants to finish his career as a Sixer um, and be able to contend for a championship every year. I don't know that I don't know that they want to give the money that he would that he would want to see to, to return. Where where do you think he sits in, in the uh, in the pool? Okay, so let's think about how JJ Redick is an effective NBA player, um, at especially getting into his mid thirties. So he's an effective player off of pin downs. Off of pin downs, he needs an elite pick and roll point guard or a crap ton of screens and and uh and dho's um where do those conditions exist philadelphia right where else 
I would say Houston. Houston, maybe even maybe even Denver because they have Jokic and you have that versatility out of a big to, to make passes and set screens. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, I don't think that fits his family um, right. aesthetic. I don't think his family would be super happy in um, in Denver just as a as a metropolitan area. It doesn't. He's sort of a, a cosmopolitan guy. Lives right. in Brooklyn. Um, but Denver would be a great situation for him. I agree. That right. would be a great basketball situation for him. So he you, also talked about yeah. Indiana, and I don't know their cap space situation, but he, he talked about being really close to signing with Indiana a couple of years ago. Or right. Maybe it was even last year. Yeah, um, it was last year. He was like he was like hours away from being a Pacer. Yeah. yeah, so does that situation make sense? It might with uh Miles Miles Turner and uh Sabonis. Um, Depot is not really a pick and roll point guard, but but how does that fit the whole family situation, though? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he'd be taking what he'd be taking a, a charter plane uh, every weekend back yeah. to Brooklyn, but it's probably only an hour flight or so. Right. So I, I think that he probably does stay. But I think he's going to have to take less money to do so. And on his podcast in the past, he said that he's a strong believer in that you got to get whatever you know the most money you can before it's all said and done. So I I, I don't know where that impasse is between you know him wanting to maximize his 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 his, um, his cash flows and then him actually being in the right situation for him. But I do know that we knock his defense, we knock you know that that you know he misses shots, but he is an integral part of the offense and that they, they that they go at the, they're at their best when his shooting is 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 in the game. Yeah, it's just it's getting harder and harder for him to get that shot uh off and um for him to get into rhythm. You know, he's a guy I could see 10 days into free agency signing in, with the Knicks. Really? Okay. Sure. I mean, I'm assuming they strike out. Like, I, I just, I'm not buying the Knicks as a destination. So they take their swings at, at Kyrie, They and maybe they get Kyrie. They probably will. But then they take their swing at some of these other guys. If they strike out, he could be like a, uh, you know, someone they could convince themselves is, uh, is uh, you know, a good stopgap while they wait for RJ Barrett or someone to develop. So, so do you, so do you do so? Do you see him leaving the Sixers? I kind of do. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, but they're going to have to then replace him with with the likes of, of Danny Green or, or somebody else out there. Um, even though Danny, Danny Green, I don't think they can afford unless yeah. if they get. If they keep Butler and they keep Tobias, I don't think they can afford Danny Green. It's going to have to be like a Wayne Ellington type player. Yeah, it's going to have to be one of those, uh, you know, partial MLE type type guys. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about Zaire Smith, who didn't play really much last year due to due to that uh, freak allergic reaction uh, situation. Do, I would imagine that he's probably expected to fill in a, a pretty big role for them next season. Um, where do you think they envision him? Uh, I think they see him as like a sixth or seventh man. Um, you know, 
just a, a better Justin Anderson type from a couple of years ago come in, inject energy, uh, you know, strong leaping ability. Can he knock down the corner three? Can he play point of attack defense? Um, you know, if he can shoot 38% from the corners, um, then you've got a player you can you can really put on the floor for significant stretches. You know, I would I would attach him to James Ennis this summer, who they de- should definitely bring back. Figure out a way to do that. Um, attach those two and have him play that James Ennis role. Um, you know, sit in the camp in the corner, knock down the corner three, and then crash the uh, the offensive boards on your way to transition defense. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, that's to me his role. I don't. I don't see him as stepping in for for JJ Redick as the starting two guard. Okay. So you know. So we, we've covered all of, all of the the pieces this summer. How do you think that the summer plays out in terms of who they bring bring in, who they let go, yada, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think they should. I think they should bring Mike Scott back. I think they should do whatever they can do to bring James Ennis back. Uh, I think they should bring back Tobias and Jimmy Butler. Um, And they need to really look at what their options are uh, from a uh, backup big standpoint. I think, quite frankly, I think they should – Really get on the phone and move uh, Jonah Bolden if they can. I think uh, I just don't think he's a fit. I think he falls more into the Rashawn Holmes category um, than uh, than maybe we want to. He just fouls too much. I think he'd be better off in a more man defense scheme. And there are a number of those in the league that could that could use his shot blocking ability. Um, so he's someone I would be interested in moving on from. Okay. Um, and uh, y- yeah, I think what you, what you want to do is you want to really build a, a defense. And if Butler returns, I think you're in pretty good shape from a offensive initiation standpoint. Um, you've got your, your point guard situation in pretty good um, hands. But uh, if Butler leaves, then you need a point guard. So with um, we we've touched on the free agency, we touched on the draft. So with with, with all the players that we've discussed, I, I'm tend I tend to be of the mind that the players you traded away in Covington, Sharich, um, uh, Shamit, those are the guys are all sort of guys that you can, that you can find in in free agency because they're. They're molds that while they're talented and they bring what they bring, there are a lot of guys like them. There are a lot of spot up shooters. There are guys who can who can give you three and D, who can be the junkyard dogs that uh, that that Sharich was. So I tend to think that they're not going to be in any worse spot, and yeah. than they were at the beginning of this se- at the beginning of this past season. So with that in mind, what do you think are some of the themes that are going to be for next season, and and how do you think things sort of play out? Well, you know, you want to see what Milwaukee is able to do. Can they bring all of their pieces back? I don't think they can. You want to look at what happens right. in Boston. I think they've got major trouble ahead. 
um, does Kawhi come back to Toronto? If so, they're in pretty good shape again. They're probably the number one or number two seed, and that's probably your rival. So, um, you know, to me, at this point, looking towards next year, to me, they're pretty clearly the number two seed uh, in the East. Um, Who, the Sixers? Yeah, I think so. I do. I, okay. I think you've got you've, you've got significant trouble ahead for Milwaukee and for Boston, um, and no one obvious coming up on the on the backside, with the exception of maybe um, Brooklyn to uh, to challenge them. So they're the number one or two seed, depending on uh, Kawhi and what he decides to do. Uh, I think you've got a team that understands how it needs to play. This time last year, they really only had one way to play offense. Uh, offense, and I think if you keep Butler, you have and and Harris, you have a lot more permutations of an offense that you could build around them with a full off season. So I think they're a much better team next year than the team that finished the year, just because of the sh- their ability to create a scheme to fit the talent. They tried to fit two guys with very different skill sets into a scheme that was built for your Marco Bellinelli types and your guys that couldn't beat someone off the dribble, couldn't run pick and roll. Right. You know, so they didn't have a lot of pick and roll. So does Brett use the summer to really craft an offense? Because I think their defensive upside is really high. Um, I think Ben Simmons is just getting better and better defensively. So I think it's a. I think it is a really interesting team. Um, I think, assuming they bring back most of their their parts, uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna be a uh, a top team in the East. Um, regardless of any of the internal development that you expect to see from your two superstars, which we we haven't even talked about. So, right. You know, you you assume incremental <laughs> progress on the part of both of those guys. Right. Speaking of those stars, you know, I, I'm I, people have to understand about Joel Embiid is that when you're his size, as soon as you miss two, three games, you're already out of shape as it is because you're just going to put on weight again and again and again. And so he's only going to get in game shape by just being able to be on the court, but also regulating and monitoring his 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 play. So that way he's not missing two to three games with injury or with nursing this and that. So whether that is sitting out back-to-backs or or, or 32-minute hard cap per game, um, whatever that might be, I, I, I think that there's not going to be much that you can do about his, about his development because it's going to come in terms of him being able to play basketball in practice and him being able to play basketball in games. With Ben Simmons, it's a whole different story. And I'm curious to see uh, where you think his development is going to go this summer and what you envision him to, uh, to be next year. Uh, I think he will I think he will develop as a as an athlete and a lot of the soft finishes that he was attempting around the rim uh, are going to become dunks. Um, I think he needs to figure out which which hand dominant and which eye dominant he is and I hope that they 
are looking for experts in that area. I know that I am. It'll be a project over the summer to find experts in that field and get their insight. Um, you know, I, I think that he's already a, an extremely efficient player with um, top two or three vision in the entire world um, on the basketball floor on both ends, on both ends of the floor. Uh, I don't think he needs to get a ton better um, than he already is to be a, a really tremendous player. I just think that 23, 24-year-old Ben Simmons is going to finish stronger at the rim, um, you know, and he needs to he needs to want to get to the free throw line. And if he does all those things, he's just a fantastically valuable player who at certain times against certain teams will need someone else to operate and initiate offense in the half court. And that's okay. It doesn't, we need to just come to, you know, there's a, there's a topic that everyone else talks about with him that I just haven't, we don't need to talk about. Right. And uh, because I think he's a fantastic player, uh, for all of the things that he does do. So I see incremental right. progress. He's always going to be efficient. And he's always going to struggle in certain situations. So you need a secondary ball handler uh, for those certain situations. So you don't think he needs any sort of jump shot? I think he can be a fantastically effective player with, with, uh, without it. And listen, if I saw any indication for uh, optimism in that area, I would, I would, I might have a different take. But I watched it up close, you know, sixty times this year. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not worth talking about. I, I, I think, I think, in time we will see some semblance of it of a, of a workable jump shot that he'll pull out from time to time but i don't think he's ever going to become a you know a high volume shooter i think that people should um learn to be at peace with it not being a part of the offense right acceptance I, I will um, tell you this even being three rows up being 40 feet away, 30 feet away, and watching him in pregame is very different than being five feet from him and watching the spin of the ball. And um, sometimes bad. people will, will watch him and he'll hit five or six of them in a row and say, oh, see, it's coming along. It's not coming along. It's not. So don't learn to accept all of the good. Um, if you keep worrying about what isn't there – then you're going to miss all of the good that is there. So I just don't. You know, right. I, no, it's fair. It's a perfectly fair point. Um, now, I, I would assume that the expectation for this next season is to, at the very, very least, play a very competitive conference final series, if not get to the finals. Do you think that that – has been Brett Brown's ultimatum that you have to get past the second round next season, no matter what, or it's over for you. That's just such a silly way to judge someone's performance. I mean, I get it, but is the team better this time next year than they were this, this time this year, that would be significant. 
is the team together? Are they trending still? Um, does your 23, 24-year-old and your 26-year-old, are they making progress? Uh, are they falling into the same traps? Are they regressing in some areas? How's the locker room? Is everyone buying in? Are, they, are people grumbling about your system? Do you need a new voice after seven years? Those are the questions. You know, the idea that, that a, uh, you know, let's say they lose a series in the second round based on four bounces on a rim in a game seven, like that determines someone's job security. It just doesn't seem like a, a reasonable way to make long-term decisions around a billion dollar franchise. Right. That's fair. I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, Jason, where can the people find you? Uh, Jay Blevins PFO on Twitter, and you'll be able to find us uh, at thepaintedlines.com. This is the first time we've said the URL, so that's a that's an exclusive. Um, as of June 1st, you will be able to find us there. We have an all-new design. We're completely relaunching, rebranding from Philly front office. We, we want to branch out. We want to uh, be more than just sports. We want to be more than just... Um, we believe that every person is more than just the thing that they do most of the time, and we want to be a platform where people can express themselves in many different ways. Um, and many different layers of depth. So, so thepaintedlines.com on June 1st. Uh, that is our baby, and we are very excited for our future. Awesome. And I, I look forward to getting that first article out. Um, pro- pro- ironically, you're not going to love this, but it's probably going to be on Benson and shooting mechanics. Well, as long as I don't <laughs> have to write about it. Yeah, that's, there you go. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for coming on. Hey. Really, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Austin. And so that concludes my outstanding conversation with Jason Blevins of the Painted Lines, formerly known as PFO, or Philly Front Office. Um, do you like the shotgun beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun tenant parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more, more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram, at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction distribution without my permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2019. Again, Jason Blevins of the Painted Lines, stopping by for a conversation. Thanks to him for for, for joining the show. And as always, thank you for tuning in.